Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. We've got some fun guests today. We've got Brian and Jared here with us. Hi, guys. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Hello. This is fun. It's been a while. When's the last time we did this? Um, I think we talked about discipline or something. Family. We did. Yeah. That's right. It was, was a, a year ago. and a half ago, maybe. I mean, it was a little while. It was a long time ago. But a lot of people listened to it, supposedly. Yep. A lot of you liked it. Since you guys are both here right now, I should tell you, we've had requests for you guys to come on and talk about post-millennialism with us. So, oh yeah. Okay. We should do that sometime, but not today because today we are talking about music. Um, But before that, we're going to do a little icebreaker. So Jordan, you and Jared want to go ahead and share first what one of your favorite fall family traditions are. Yeah. Since the Sparks live for this season. Yeah, the Sparks do live for <laughs> this right. season. This is like Jared's ultimate time of year. Um, why don't you say, what's your favorite things our family does in the fall? We used to, so this is an indoor thing and it's not really a great like fall tradition, but we used to watch Band of Brothers every year. You know that it was like the that one. That wasn't a family thing. It that wasn't was a family thing. That was just me and Jordan. And for some reason <laughs> that was like the one bloody movie, like blood and guts <laughs> war movie that Jordan really loved. So we started that Captain in the fall. Winners. Captain Winners. He's yeah. just amazing. Uh, but fall stuff, we like hay rides. We like pumpkin patches. We go we to, like, yeah, there's a pumpkin patch right down the road that we go to every year. Um, apple cider. Apple Love cider. apple cider. Um, what else do you do in the fall? End of the year yard sales. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. every season thing <laughs> we've carved pumpkins the past couple of years it's been really fun um what else do we do in the fall i feel like a lot of our fall stuff is just going outside we spent on jared's day off we usually just like go outside make a fire in the fire pit um hang out outside yeah a lot of time outside wear we're, fall clothes we're trying to figure out <laughs> thanksgiving traditions because right now jordan's mm. family we do thanksgiving breakfast yeah and we have the rest of the day together and so we really haven't solidified just our, just our family without yeah. extended family. So right. I think this year we're just going to do like our own family Thanksgiving meal, which is going to be fun. Yeah. I'm excited about that. What about you guys? Brian, anything that comes to mind? My fall tradition is continuing to ignore pumpkin spice flavored anything. <laughs> no, that's sad. I've been what successfully sad doing that for many years now. It's very, it pleases me. Hey, you know what? Andrea just did a class on the history of where pumpkin spice came from. And it was literally to protect them in their homes from like pathogens and stuff. They'd bring it all inside and set it everywhere. And it became traditionally the pumpkin spice. So Brian wants to catch the flu, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think, I don't think the 80 grams of sugar in a latte version (laughs) is very good for. uh, No, I agree. The pleasure outweighs the cal- the cl- the caloric intake, dude. So just yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. I think I think Brian and I are a little uh, bitter towards it because of our Starbucks years. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you guys worked. Oh, wait, you guys worked at Starbucks? Yes. Yes. Wow. We once worked a shift at the same Starbucks. Oh. While married. Oh, it, wow. wow. And you survived. It was spicy. <laughs> spicy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, have you cool. seen the meme where there's like white and light green and orange pumpkins they're like this is what you're eating all the pumpkin spices doing to the pumpkins 
No, oh, yes. Draining the pumpkins <laughs> yeah. of all of their pumpkin goodness. I thought that was Spice. so funny. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, and really, our boys love to carve pumpkins. So I actually went out and got some pumpkins at the farm store today. And we're going to carve pumpkins later. That's cool. Yeah, so, we did that uh, last week. The, the problem with carving pumpkins is the week and a half later when yeah, they, you find them rotting on the porch. Yeah. Or, they yes. make it to Halloween. Yeah. That's so, why we waited a little longer this year. Yeah, that's smart. Yep. But I was going to say, because we have so many listeners that like our food, our foodiness, um, I think it's the Nourished Kitchen or the Nourishing Kitchen has a really good recipe for caramel apples. That's a honey-based caramel. And it actually works. I've made it before. So I think I'm going to try and make that tonight, but it actually works. Oh, that sounds good. Is it like a dip for apples or is it something that you actually like put on a whole apple? I think you can put it on the whole apple. Oh, if I remember. Fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I can try that. So anyways, should we move on to talking about Brian's new album? Yes. That's why you're here. That's it. why you both are here. Wait, wait, I heard, wasn't there going to be like an icebreaker possibly about what music do you listen to? Because oh, yeah, that, that was our oh, movie, but yes. then I was like, we don't listen to much music, but we can do that. You want I to- only, I literally only listen to Brian Subway. Yeah, Brian Subway that's music. why we didn't do that icebreaker is because we were both like, well, we don't listen to anything other than Brian's album. It's, it's <laughs> yes. Write right, right the writer on repeat. That's what I Pump up those numbers, man. Well, it's funny. funny. It's funny because it's either that or do you know Tom McDonald, the, the controversial YouTube rapper? No. Okay. Oh, you've got to listen to Tom McDonald. You got to look up the best oh. rapper ever um, uh, video. It's 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 amazing. There is some uh, explicit stuff in there, but Tom McDonald. So it's either Brian Sauvey and Tom McDonald. And for the few listeners that know what that is, you're you're going to get a good laugh out of that. Oh, yeah. white, it's a white dude, white rapper, and he's he's like better, He's better than Eminem. I do rap a lot. Well, I'm hoping that that's the next Psalm album. Yeah. Not yeah. on the records, but I I rap all the time. He's gonna do mumble rap. Yeah, heavy the heavy the king of the David the heavy the just like that. <laughs> it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's very edifying. Okay, Brian. I mean, I so, it. tell us about your new album. This is a full length one, right? Yes, ma'am. It is a full length. Lord willing, uh, I think I have twelve songs now. Ten of them are psalms, and then uh, two hymns which are both pretty um, like classic hymns. Kyrie Ellison and um, Gloria Patry are going to be on there. So it's, it's the biggest project I've ever done. Put a ton of work into it so far, and I'm kind of rounding in the home stretch now to hopefully having it out in the next few weeks. How did you pick the um, Psalms for this one? Yeah, um, so some of them I've just been like identifying – different psalms that i thought were um like classic psalms like psalm 139 was one of them psalm 2 um what else i'd already done psalm 100 psalm 23 psalm 1 which i think think are kind of like very commonly known psalms and then i was trying to find at first i was going to do a shorter album that was just focused on the theme of messianic kingship in the psalms but I kept adding other psalms that didn't really fit that theme and just sitting down and like writing out a setting of it. And then um, I decided to make this, this longer album. But I don't really have a huge like rhyme or reason to, I'm not doing like my soul among lions where they did psalms one through 10 and then 11 to 20 and they're just, you know, going straight through or anything like that. Yeah, that'll be really exciting. I can't wait. So is there a projected date for when it's going to be out? Mm, 
That is a good question. Um, albums are never finished, only abandoned. So I'm, I'm close to abandoning this one in the sense that there's always like, I listen to any music I've ever done and then I'm just, I'm like, oh, I should have done this different. I should have done that different. Um, this one, I think I'm close enough that I hope it is out by the second week of November at the latest. Okay. That's, that's my sweet. current goal. Cool. Well, that's very soon. I can't wait. I'm hoping. Yeah. So it seems like in the last few years, there's been a recovery of singing the Psalms, which is kind of ironic of the recovery of singing the Psalms. And I think, you know, in more confessional churches, the Psalms have been sung forever, but in churches kind of like yours and ours. And I know the church background that you guys come from, that's was kind of new and fresh. So is this something that is, has it been um, kind of a new thing for your congregation? How has that been received? And is this really kind of an overflow of what you've been doing with the church and then wanting to do this project to give resources to other churches? I mean, how, how did these things, how did it all come about? Yeah, we had basically come to the conviction that we needed to sing Psalms and just realized that we didn't really sing. I mean, we very occasionally sang some modern settings that were, were essentially whole Psalms like John Foreman's Psalm 51. Um, but I mean, not really anything beyond that, that was a whole Psalm. And once the conviction was there, that it was a command that we needed to do it, Paul says, sing to one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Um, then the difficulty was setting out to find music that was accessible to our people. You know, if, if you're used to a, if your church basically sings more contemporary music with the guitars and drums and things like that, and they're used to singing that style of verse, chorus, bridge, verse, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, repeat the bridge six times kind of songs, then, um, there's not it, the psalms are difficult because that's not how they're written i mean they're yeah. they're written they're th you're through composed essentially uh in the sense that you don't have a lot of repeating elements um so the first thing we did uh is so actually psalm 100 was the first psalm that i set beginning to end and the goal with that one was to write something that sounded like um the songs that churches in our vein had been singing. Uh, so it had kind of a chorus that repeated verses one and two. And then I didn't love that. I, I liked the idea more of singing just straight through the psalm as it was written and not trying to turn it into something else. And that's when we discovered metrical psalms that set the, you know, straight through a whole psalm they will follow a pattern of not the number of syllables per line. So like common meter, amazing grace has amazing grace. How sweet the sound eight syllables that saved a wretch like me, six syllables. And then it repeats eight, six, eight, six. And uh, the whole song is like that. And the beauty of metrical Psalms that take a Psalm and set it poetically into that form is that you can then sing them to any metrical tune. And that really opened the floodgate for us because it meant wow come now fount is a metrical tune in christ alone is a metrical tune amazing grace is a metrical tune and then you can even get into some of the more traditional um, metrical tunes that were traditionally used for the psalms um, and that just opens the floodgate you don't even have to be able to set your own psalms you can pick up 
a psalter that already sets them metrically, pick the tunes, and most of these tunes, a lot of them, the congregation already knows. And you can have people singing whole psalms right away with no real like new skills that they need. And that's really the foot in the door, I think, that will explode psalm singing for a congregation and allow them to discover the glories of the right, you know, how, how rich the Psalms are because they're not taking so much energy at first trying to learn new skills mm -hmm. like singing in four parts or yeah. uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's what's been so cool about your album is it really does feel like singing Psalms for the common man. <laughs> like it feels like songs yeah. that are really easy to, that are really easy to sing. And we've loved them. And like, even our kids love singing them. They'll like be walking around the house singing different ones. So um, they're all like really catchy and easy for people to be able to remember. So that's been really cool. Well, and I do think Brian, when we went to Moscow two years ago and we talked to um, Mr. Herb, mm -hmm. I think in that conversation, we both realized there isn't anything for families like us. There's only for like the elite Moscow crowd who's been doing this forever. Yeah. And then the homeschool mom like me who had no idea what we were doing. And I really, mm -hmm. I think at least for me, as I saw you doing this and I saw, and I've been seeing how helpful it's been to different families, you know, multiple moms that have miscarried in the last year have messaged me that I don't even know that are saying like, Brian's Psalms are so helpful for me in this season. And I know it was helpful for me postpartum. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I think what Jordan is saying about these really are the foot in the door for the common man to recover the art of singing in the church. Yeah. The, something interesting that comes to mind in that conversation is that when you think about the way technological advances have, have changed the way that people interact with things like scripture and singing, you know, you have a long period of church history where the only way you'd interact with the scriptures was from hearing it read. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because you wouldn't typically own much, if any, of the scriptures yourself. And then the printing press, you know, it took 200 years before that technology really got out. But all of a sudden people have Bible. Musically, something happened similarly with notation when musical notation became a thing. And so you didn't have to hear a tune to, to learn it. You could just look at the music. Well, now, and this is very recent in the scheme of history, now people can listen to music and instead of you know, record it, recorded music yeah. has completely changed the way people interact with music. So now actually that older technology, which this is actually a tragedy, has in many ways gone uh, on the decline where many people can't even read notated music anymore. You can't mm -hmm. pick up a panel and sing from it. And that's a skill we should recover. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, most people in the church today in America, just the average evangelical church, if they're going to learn music to actually get it in their head and be able to sing it, mm -hmm. they have to be able to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge gap there where if you try to find things that fit those two categories of Psalms that are actually pretty faithful to the text and are recorded somewhere that you can listen to. And even if you have a third element of that are then congregationally accessible, which is probably one of the more difficult elements. It's easy to write music that's fun to listen to. Most of the music I write is not, I'm not first thinking, how can I make this really fun to listen to? Um, that's a lot easier because you just do stuff like, you know, have a lot of range and have a really catchy hook. But 
making music that the average person in a church can sing mm. that also hits those other categories that's yeah. difficult and uh, I don't always hit that I mean it's I'm starting I think in this album to figure out how to write a melody that does those things at the same time that you like Psalm 25 on this album um, I think is Psalm 125 is a setting on this album so are you saying something like Hillsong is less congregational is that what you mean well in a way it's congregational because it's really simple it's easy to write a song that has a verse chorus pre-chorus bridge when you're writing all the words yourself that repeats that way because it, you, it's really simple but when you're trying to do something like set a psalm that has so i mean some some of the songs psalm 139 has i can't remember that my setting it has something like nine verses and it's like six minutes long just to sing it straight through without a whole lot of musical break in there and that's challenging musically to write something that's interesting enough a tune that a melody you want to hear nine times in a row right that doesn't have the luxury of being able to break in a into a, a little part where all of a sudden it's like you are good good oh oh you know you actually have to just because David doesn't do that very often in the Psalms, very rarely. Sometimes he repeats, but you know, um, Interesting. So, so those things me, are hard to do. Part of me is wondering right now how much of this too has to do with the way we've changed our church architecture. Hmm. Like this whole question of our buildings, I think our building at Refuge does in some ways, but most church buildings are not built for the voices to be magnified anymore right. like they used to the be. Congregation churches. Voices. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like super yeah. dark and there's just the music on stage is super loud yeah. and that's the gist of it. Yep. So therefore you have to bring in more, you know, instruments, more, more, yeah. you know, fog machines, <laughs> that sort of stuff. When really, if you're in a beautifully architected church, the voices should be the centerpiece at that time. Yeah. You know, we've even yeah. started with, you know, some of the elements of the liturgy that we repeat every week, like singing Psalm 134, we sing David Herb's through composed setting of Psalm 134 every week at the same part of the service. We sing the doxology at the end at the same part every service. And we've transitioned over the last six months to essentially doing those acapella. So there, you know, yeah. we, we turn everything down. I'm, if I'm in front of the mic, I back away from the mic, turn my mic off once we get started. And the goal is to teach the people that in worship, the primary instrument that we want to hear should be the voices yeah. of people because we're singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's the command. Mm -hmm. that, that seems to be a difficult thing as somebody who is wanting to be supplemental. So whatever's happening up front is supplemental to the singing, but to combine uh, the psalms and writing a, you know, a tune that's easy to sing. That's difficult because I've heard so many psalm renditions that are really, really bad to sing. They're very hard to sing. And yeah. the person singing them clearly has it down. But yet the ability for the average person to pick that up is, is just very, it's just, it's clunky and it's difficult. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's, that's what I've appreciated about what you've done is because it's so easy to sing. And I think you're striking a balance. And so if that, if that is uh, more, if there's more of that to come in this new album, I'm pretty excited about diving yeah. in. Yeah the some of the tunes that i started with so i i sat down and asked myself like what tunes have proven to be 
even modern tunes have proven to be um, massively helpful to people that just they, they want to sing them people sing them well in any church you go to and I thought of tunes like in Christ alone it's a modern tune the Gettys wrote that tune not that many years ago but it's it's hymn like it has enough range to be interesting it's eight lines long so it's not super short you can repeat it you can get through a lot of words with it and it'd be interesting but um, I, I started basically when I write a, a psalm now instead of sitting down at an instrument first and coming up with a chord progression and then singing over it, which is how I would write 90% of music before this, especially before setting Psalms. Now I sit and go, let me come up with a tune first, just singing by myself. And uh, that has really helped get, um, I, I hope so, at least. And not many people have listened to the album to tell me whether it's worked or not. But that's helped to uh, hopefully write tunes that are obviously designed first to be sung by people, first to be sung, and then added music around them to kind of support, make them work. Um, so th that's been a change for me that I hope I hope comes through in the, the music. Awesome. Okay. A question practically at the church. So I visited with you guys a couple of years ago and got to, to be there. The people sang well. At the end of Bright the Writer, previous mm -hmm. album you put out, I think two albums ago now, you have a warfare psalm, Psalm 23, actually, I think it is. And you have it, it's like uh, ever just recording on your phone or something like that. Yeah. And, and everybody's singing. And there was a roar from the congregation. Everybody was singing very well. Is that how things typically are? Or did you say, hey, guys, we're going to record. We want to really belt it out right now as we sing to the Lord, because it sounds like this is really catching with your people. Yeah, we didn't tell them. I didn't even plan on doing anything with that recording. I, that was from the sermon. I had a backup Zoom recorder sitting on the pulpit because we'd had so many glitches with our sermon recording stuff. And then I was listening back and I, and I was thinking, man, that sounds really good. <laughs> I'm going to put them on Spotify without getting anybody's permission. That's what I did. So the thing that's caught two, two elements have really helped the people sing. That's the norm. I mean, people sing really well at the church. Now we don't do a hundred songs yet. We have maybe 15 to 20 that we really focus on. That's helped a lot in doing them in those metrical classic tunes that are built to be sung but then the other thing that's helped and and we're just starting to get into this as we've practiced and had you know we do a weekly psalm sing on a weeknight where we get together and we we actually practice going through and we have made 20 to 50 people on any given week doing that um not not by any means more than a quarter of the congregation comes to it but um, we go through four part songs and we learn each part in isolation. And what that does, the, the reason four part harmony is so glorious is because it lets you have tunes that have massive range where the sopranos are free to go and be sopranos and sing really high notes like Phil Wickham, <laughs> who's a lady. Or, and you also have the men can sing, you know, in their range, they can sing bass and baritone and tenor and that really 
um, helps the people actually be able to sing uh, in a comfortable, the men can sing loudly. A lot of those songs that are fuguing tunes will have parts where the different parts break off and the men all sing together at one point while no one else sings. And, the, and, and what that does is it forces the men, if they don't sing, it sounds lame. So they all go for it. They get to the part in Psalm 98 and they sing songs, let joy resound. Oh my gosh. I had no idea how much I loved hearing men sing until we started singing in four parts. It's glorious. Yes. (laughs) A few songs on the album are designed to be sung in four parts. And so I'm trying to get some musical notation to release them in sheet music style. So people that are, have that ability can, can do that and learn that. I was going to ask you that. Is it, don't you have like resources on your Patreon? If people want to learn how to do this in their church, you kind of have been trying to make resources to help them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I do chord charts uh, with all of them that are available behind. Basically it's behind the paywall on Patreon uh, to help make the time worth it. And the resource, I think I've spent like $5,000 on this project so far. Wow. So it's not cheap to record music by any means and host it and do all the different things. So I keep some of that behind the, the Patreon paywall. I have tutorial videos that teach uh, the songs, particularly the ones that are in non-standard guitar tunings, like Bright the Rider. And the recorded version of Psalm 1 is in an open C tuning that's a little bit different. And I'll continue to do that. I'm, I'm kicking around the idea of doing a seminar for worship leaders who are interested in, in bringing the Psalms in. Oh, cool. Giving them like, yeah, stones and maybe even bringing in um, one of my friends, uh, Brian Motes, uh, friends from afar, a Twitter friend. He's with Theopolis Institute and he, he's been doing a lot of Psalm chants and things like that, that I think are really interesting as well. So I might see if he'd be up to come and do a, a session on that. Um, but right now I, we'll see if, if the demand is there and people are interested in that, um, maybe I'll do a, a poll or something on Twitter and see who that'd be so awesome. I think that'd be well-received Andy, I think would want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. We'd certainly try to get him in on that for sure. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, um, how does this, have you heard reports on, so I don't want to like take over the fruitful and fearless episode podcast here, but um, no, go for it. Here. <laughs> Thinking about family worship and how this relates to family worship. Have you heard reports back of how it's encouraged people at home singing at home? Because when we have the albums going on at the house, but even within your church from practicing singing, coming together once a week with 20 to 30 people. And that seems to be impactful in the home as well. I mean, is that happening? Yeah, we've seen um, both in our church and outside a lot of people integrating the songs into um, family worship, into just the daily lives as well. Yeah. Um, people send me videos all the time. Like every couple of days, someone will send me a video of their kid singing the sea shanty or yes. um, one of the psalms, and and I that's my favorite. Or yes. they'll send like videos of their church singing one of the songs, and. Um, Man, just yesterday, someone sent me a video of their church singing Psalm 1, and um, they were doing, they sang it so well, all the all gray hairs down to the kids, like they were thundering, and it was uh, that kind of thing people send in all the time. The, the funniest thing people send in is um, really hip churches that, that clearly have good 
like cool music with good bands and electric guitars and, and stuff. They'll send in renditions that they do of like Psalm three or something. And it'll just all of a sudden be super hipster. And I chuckle a little bit at that. Um, I, I was going to comment on this a little bit. I feel like this has given, I just, as the wife, I have seen so much of God's sovereignty in the timing of this Psalm project with 2020 and 2021. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have seen specifically our people able to grapple with evil in a way that is scripturally sanctioned, mm -hmm. that they can handle their emotions and their anger towards what's going on yeah. in a scriptural way, because we have the Psalms that we're singing together when we do come into you know, when it's been hard weeks, when we know that the president is talking about things, it's really affecting people in our congregation, but we're coming and we're singing Psalms together about how the Lord is going to crush our enemies yeah. that I have seen yeah. that really, at least in, in my heart, but I know in my friend's hearts too, it's, it's helping us at home know how to deal with trials. Yeah. And even in the sea shanty, I think I've said this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about it, but, um, the line be sharpening our ax to cut down O'Donnell's oak. And mm -hmm. just like hearing our boys sing that, I'm like, yes, yeah. yes, you are. <laughs> and and yes. it's encouraging and exciting. And like, yeah, this is truth that we want our kids to sing and we want our family to believe. There's yeah, I think it's cool how quickly children can memorize like large oh, amounts yeah. of scripture because of music. Yeah. There's one coming up on, I just wrote this one. I set this song on Saturday. That's, the album was going to have 11 songs and hopefully and be out in like two weeks. And then I came in Saturday to finish some of them and ended up, accidentally writing a new one uh, <laughs> this this is one of my favorite parts from the whole album it's the from psalm 11 and the metrical setting goes um fire snares and brimstone furious storms upon the wicked he shall reign this shall be all the portion of the cup which he hath mixed for them for righteous is the lord our god and righteous deeds his soul doth love the upright shall behold his face and in his presence drink thereof that's just one of my favorite. I can't wait to hear six-year-olds singing yes. about fire snares and brimstone and furious storms rained on the wicked while <laughs> the righteous behold the face of God. Yeah. Amen. It's just so the Psalms are so rich and deep and they, they push your theology into some yeah. places that mm -hmm. we wouldn't be comfortable right. with their yeah. own writing hymns like that. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, like crushing people's teeth. It's just not something that I typically am like thinking about, but scripture yeah. does it for me. So that's right. awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some pastors won't even quote the verses that churches should be singing as a whole, as yeah. a form of encouragement to one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even uh, just the way that the biblical theology of some of the Psalms work, like Psalm 109 is one of the darkest Psalms in the whole Bible it basically cries out to God to cut off the offspring of this in it. But you find out that it's prophetically talking about Judas Iscariot. It's the Psalm that's quoted that to say another shall take his office. And the uh, apostles say that Psalm was talking about Judas. It was talking about this scenario. Mm -hmm. So it helps you to, when you, when you, under, when you have those Psalms and you start searching out, how does the new Testament in its divinely inspired inerrant commentary on the Psalms, teach us what they mean. And you just discover some, some real glories there, uh, even in those really dark Psalms when you do that. Uh, just a different kind of musical question. 
our church, so we do most of the families in our church homeschool and we do a homeschool co-op and we're wanting to start doing something with music, like teaching a music class or like teaching an instrumental class or something like that. Do you have any advice just for homeschooling families, like where to start with music in general, if their parent, like Jared and I, neither one, know an instrument, know anything about music, can't read music. Do you have any encouragement for families like that of like where to start musically with wanting to teach their children? Yeah, some some low hanging fruit. Well, first, the foundation should be that we aim to recover the art of musical literacy. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, we want to get our kids learning how to read music, solfege, ear training, um, where there, there are a lot of good classes that you can send them to. And there's channels on YouTube. There's entire um, like Charlotte Mason channels dedicated that you guys could do it at home mm-hmm. as individual families and then bring it into the co-op setting. That'd be cool. Yeah. And that's the foundation. But then all together, I think it's important when you're, you know, like in our chapels right now at St. Brendan's, we learn a different psalm or hymn every month. And um, we work on it for a whole month. So we sing it a lot. We sing one song a whole lot even if they're really difficult songs, like we do one that's fairly complex and um, called the Lord Hear Thee in Troubled Time. It's a setting of Psalm 20 um, to an old tune and kind of a weird, it's like an eight, seven, eight, seven meter. It's a little weird, mm-hmm. uh, but the kids, they learn it and some of them can't read. Mm-hmm. They memorize it though yeah. over time. So sing a song a lot. Don't be scared of singing the same song 30 times and then you know give them wins songs that they can learn and are fun to sing. But one resource we've really liked to use for people who don't read music to recover four part singing is the um, Sing Your Part app. And I think it's only on iPhone right now, but it is a, an app tool that follows along with the Contus Christi hymnal. There's a 2002 and the 2020 are, are loaded up in it. And you can go through any song in that hymnal and isolate bass, tenor, uh, alto, soprano, the, that part, and turn it up or down in the mix to either hear just that or your part plus a little bit of the other ones. You can slow it up, speed it down, slow it down, speed <laughs> it up. Yeah. And that's helped uh, our church learn even pretty complex fuguing okay. tunes and things like that that... Uh, when most of us can't read music, I cannot read music. I never learned how to read music. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to remedy that, but mm-hmm. um, that's been a really helpful tool okay. for our church. Cool. Quick that question. Awesome. And by the way, if you haven't noticed in the recording yet, we've been in and out this whole time. Our kids <laughs> fell apart as soon as we started recording. So the Sparks side of this has been a little wild. Sorry, everyone. Well, I, I office from home most days. And so we've been running back up and down. So my office is in our basement and our kids are upstairs and uh, it's supposed to be movie rest slash nap time. And <laughs> they didn't do it, it either. It fell apart as it soon as apart. this happened. That's right. So, anyways. Uh, so f- fuguing tunes, can you please define that? We're way late in the episodes, but I need to know what that is. Yeah, fuguing tunes are, so you've heard of a fugue probably if you're familiar with classical music which is a, it, it's a classical music style where you have multiple melodies going on at the same time. And then you'll often have a tune called the contus firmus that is the dominant melody that kind of holds it all together. 
So fuguing tunes are newer than that. They're related, but they're not exactly like it. They're a distinctly American style of sacred music that I think was really popularized in the mid 1800s. And the, basically what a fuguing tune is in its definitionally is a tune where usually a metrical psalm, it can be a hymn as well, where all four parts start together and they'll sing about two thirds of the song together. And then the last third of the song of each verse, all four parts will break off and then come back together at the end. So you'll have the bass, all of a sudden, just the basses, the men, you know, the, the men who are not tenors will sing a part by themselves. Then the tenors will come in at a different part. Then the altos will come in and then the sopranos will come in and they'll all end the line together. Um, so these are like, I think, you know, didn't Doug. Is that like crown him? Is that what we do in crown him? Crown him is kind of like a fuguing tune. I don't know what it technically is. Okay. It, it's very similar. Some examples would be the desert tune um, to Psalm 98 from the book of, book of Psalms for Singing 1973. I'm covering that one in this album and I'm just working out permissions with the um, publisher of that hymnal to make sure that I'm paying them royalties and stuff for the, because uh, it's there. It's a, it's a, the tune is in public domain, but the words are their setting, not my own setting. Um, so that, that one's like probably the most famous fuguing tune before the Let My Cry Come Near from Psalm 119 is a fuguing oh, okay. tune in the contus to a tune called Russia. Um, a lot of these are like 200 year old tunes that people have so sung cool. many different songs to. Okay. Including so, so that's why I practice. That's why to get good at singing the Psalms and fuguing tunes. I mean, it's going to take practice. That's why we have a church yeah. in town, Cornerstone Reformed Church. That's a CREC church. Yeah. And they have a music pastor who teaches the whole church how to sing. They start with their little kids. Mm -hmm. They have music yep. class. And Ransom thought that meant I'm going to go and learn guitar on the first day. <laughs> but what it meant was you had to go and learn how to sit on an X for, <laughs> and, for an hour and sing. And you had to learn, start, start learning how to sing. So they do that from the yeah. time their kids like are very, very little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so great. I would love to see churches doing that from a young age. We're hoping the school can continue to build on the musical tradition with our psalm sing and, and recapture this. But what's, what's great about it is if you have a, even 20 or 30 people who are competent in the core four parts, mm -hmm. the goal is still that anybody can walk in in most yeah. of these tunes, the melody should dominate. Any man can sing the soprano. The soprano often has the melody and anybody can walk in and the men should be able to sing the low octave of the soprano part. I sing the soprano part in the album just an octave down uh, and, and still be able to sing it and then hear all these other parts and go, whoa, these people are apparently taking this seriously enough that they've actually put some work into yeah. uh, the, the, the craft That's of singing. It's uh, so hey, Jordan. Yeah. I looked up that YouTube channel. Okay. If, if you guys want to do a solfege yes. at home, it's called Children of the Open Air. Okay. And if I remember correctly, it's just like you go through it lesson by lesson. Children of the open air. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Yep. Yep. 
Um, okay, and I know you said to remind you that you wanted to ask Brian about musical entertain as entertainment. Yeah, I mean, I just, I wanna hear your thoughts on this, Brian. The more part of it too is that we have children who are way more musically competent than I am. And so I'm starting to see our family culture, specifically when we have hospitality, um, it's moving towards, it's moving from it, a mindset of being a consumer of something to being a producer of something. Um, and I just want to hear your thoughts on if you feel the same way about that. For example, when I had gone up to feed Winnie a couple weeks ago, we had two, we had three other families over and I came down and one of the adults was playing chess with some of the kids. And then some of the kids were over playing piano together. And it was just such a beautiful picture of what like Christian culture can look like when you have skill sets like this, that you, you no longer have to rely on consuming something from the outside. You can now be producing something beautiful as a culture. So I, I think, I just want to hear your thoughts on that, Brian, if you feel similarly, but I think a lot of this has to do with our church becoming more musically literate. Yeah, that's, that is very much the case from my perspective even as our, our kids just pick up the rudiments of learning some instruments, learning the, the piano, and then making a, making a point of having a real piano, not a digital piano with a speaker, but a real, the actual object that is beautiful and invites you in and makes you, yes. when you see a piano and you know how to play it in someone else's house, you, you just want to go up and play it. When yeah. you're, you know, if, if, as our kids learn, hopefully like the violin and the cello, and I hope to have a cello in our living room next to the piano. And what will happen is that we'll come in, I'm sure, and Ari will be playing the piano and Ira will be playing the cello next to him <laughs> and Daphne will be singing. And they'll, they'll be doing that instead of being on Instagram. Right. Yeah. Because it's there and there's, we, we long for beauty and meaning and rich. Yes the richness of culture and music, not just consuming it, but actually learning it and having the craft and the satisfaction of performing it um, is, it's something that is so much more satisfying than just, you know, even he listening to good music. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we sing when we have guests over, even, you know, we sing before meals, we, um, and people are probably weirded out by it the first time. <laughs> Come in and it's like instead of okay let's pray for dinner it's like okay everybody ready behold bless the lord and they, we just start singing lift up our hands and then we pray and uh, but that's i mean hopefully as the culture is built into more people um we'll we'll hear four parts in those yeah we'll break into it and someone will be over there singing the bass part the, the someone will be over there singing the alto part yeah, and we'll be able to produce something beautiful. Okay, Lexi, I know that you've said before that you like, you know, your your natural gifting isn't like a beautiful singing voice or something. Yes. Um, talk about how this is for you too, and for people who are like not a natural singer or whatever. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I. I mean, I just, I really think what Brian said earlier, when COVID happened, we shut down, we were just kind of starting to dip our toes in this musical water. We were singing at home on Sundays and I just was like not singing and I didn't like it. And I was like, I'm not good at this. I don't want to sing. Brian and Ari are much better at it. I'll just listen to them. And Brian told me it's a command to sing. 
And for whatever reason, just that, that, that flip switched in my head where I was like, okay, this is an act of obedience. But I think the other thing that I had to realize was from a, from a historical perspective, I can understand that I should have learned voice training when I was young. Everybody used to learn that because everybody could sing. It's not necessarily that I can't sing. It's that there has been no training there. Mm -hmm. So once I understood historically that this is what the average man could do, it's not that it has to sound like a recording on a CD. Mm -hmm. This is what the average man should be able to do. Um, I guess I felt less scared about it. I didn't feel silly. And genuinely, it honestly helped us to go see in Moscow. So what I would encourage our listeners to do is, is there a church in the area that does this, that has somebody who teaches them on a Sunday morning, just go once to see how they teach it. So mm-hmm. you realize they're not all rock stars. Yeah. You know, the, some, sometimes David was going to, David Herb stops and he'd restart yeah. us again. And it didn't, I think when we go to a church and we're consuming the music, we don't realize we're there to worship and participate in worship of the Lord together. Mm-hmm. Then it does feel awkward because that, that fumbling feeling of trying to learn something new as a body of believers, it is weird, but it should be that way because we're there to be the ones primarily worshiping. Mm-hmm. So I think once I had that switch happen in my head, I didn't care if I sounded yeah. bad, Yeah, you know? So, and it makes me want to keep pushing on more and more. And I just feel like there's been little nuggets along the way that the Lord has just said, no, this is good. Keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have picked up more here and there, even if yeah. Brian says I haven't, but <laughs> you have. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I no. think it's also cool. Sorry. No, you had. I was just gonna say, I think it's also cool thinking about like whenever the entire congregation is singing and even like in the four parts, it's the beauty of everybody together. Right. And it's yep. not the beauty of like a single person and everyone's right. staring at you. It's and that's all the of only us. example most of us have as yeah. women is a man and a woman yes. on stage. And yeah. that's who we're listening to, yeah. not the crowd. Yeah. But it's actually like, we're a congregation. We're a body of believers who come yes. together as one body. And even our yep. voices do that. And it's cool to think about. One of the things that really clicked for me when it comes to what we're doing on Sunday morning, and this is through conversations with Andy, just the simple idea that Sunday morning is about congregational singing. It's not yeah. about, it's not about coming and hearing other people sing. It's coming to contribute and be a part of the body. Mm-hmm. That right. one little thought, that one little idea, if you can really run with that and just go there, because if some of these th- you know, things are undeveloped in your mind and you're thinking about, well, how do you even sing the Psalms? Why is it important? Why, why does it matter if the lights are on or who's singing up front? Or why does it matter with learning different parts and, and all of that? Why do we all need to be good at singing? And just think about the fact that we come together to sing as a body not come together to hear somebody sing. And that, that one little thought helped me now. Yep. Okay. Listen, Lex, your voice might be bad. Okay. Like, but it's not as bad as the uh, lady on the elf. If you guys remember seeing the elf, <laughs> when you're watching it this Christmas for this holiday season, yeah. when she starts singing at the very end, okay. About holiday cheer when the mom, mm-hmm. the, 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 Oh yes. Oh my gosh. It's so bad. It's See, like burned into my mind. There's no female voice as bad as that lady, that actress. Oh, has so funny female voice and even her she could have she, a spot yeah. in the body she's got a part she's got a place in the body of christ okay yeah. i do want to say one more thing about that i don't know if this makes sense this is maybe i'm maybe not communicating this right because i don't understand music but once i understood there's four parts i didn't realize i might be better at one part than i am at another part mm-hmm. and because a lot of people are scared to try the four parts 
I think they will naturally be less comfortable because they're trying to mimic something their voice may not be able to do very well. Is that making sense, Brian? Yeah, a lot of men think they can't sing because they're being asked to sing three octave range songs and they can't do it. They just physically can't get there. At least with the current level of training they have, uh, you can make your range wider. You can get your range significantly wider if you practice and train and learn how to sing properly. But the parts were originally, they weren't to try and make music more complicated. They were supposed to actually allow for everybody to be able to meaningfully sing and recognize that, you know, children are persons as the Charlotte Mason principle goes, but because people are persons, they are, they're all different. So you can't just necessarily expect everybody, even in a really good tune, like in Christ alone, there's a big range there that a lot of men can't hit that. You know, that really high part, but if they have the bass, part of a, of a song with a similar range, they will be perfectly comfortable. They'll be able to sing yeah. loud. Um, it, it is important though, from the, from the beginning, if we can get our kids to just learn the basics of music and singing and solfege and, you know, our recently in one of our classes, the, the teacher, the music teacher was explaining that most of our students, most of the students in this class, they can pull middle C out of the air within half a note they can go and i'm probably not on but doe is home are you and talking about in let's play music let's play right. music I'm so fast. okay and um as you get older it gets much harder to learn how to do that yes but little kids even kids we have one kid and i won't name names who is particularly gifted at singing and we have one kid so far who is per, is below average at singing just to be frank, but they will both learn how to sing skillfully, even if there's still a gap in God's gifting, you know, on that front, they'll both have a workman, a workman's ability where they'll both be able to, to sit down and, and do the task that we're all called to do and sing. And it, it, it won't be, um, you know, maybe virtuosic, but it's going to be you know, passable. They're going to be able to sing well and it'll be pleasurable because they learned the skill from a young age. So that's a gift that I think we really need to prioritize giving our kids as they grow. Cool. It's awesome. I've been thinking a lot about compound interest and how that idea is applicable <laughs> in so many areas of life where you're plugging along, plugging along, and it feels like there's little return. And then at some point, mm. years down the road, you look back and you think, oh my gosh, there's this explosion of growth and change and impact. And with things like singing and teaching a young generation, a new generation, I mean, you guys didn't learn this growing up, what you're now teaching to your children and what you're teaching yeah. to those that are in St. Brendan's. So the, the return on that, when you take these little steps at a time, and as we, you know, this is new for us. I mean, we're learning, I'm sitting here learning from you guys and trying to think about how, you know, talking with Andy about how we can develop this you know, in, in a more robust way at our church, but there ends up being returned down the road where you guys forged the way. And by God's grace, you, you know, you look, you're going to look back and you're going to say, Oh my goodness, look what God has done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Even like last, not, not, not yesterday, but a week ago, Sunday, we, for the first time sang most of our songs with just a piano leading, which I don't play. So it's a, a lady in the church playing the piano 
and probably five of the seven songs we sang that way in four parts and then i played the guitar on one and then we sang a cappella on two of the other two of the other ones and it was it was different even with the work we put in it was still it's different like people were still a little bit more tentative and they were still <laughs> figuring out how to hear the rhythm with the piano in the room and but give it six months and our goal is to have that be all we do by you know within three three to six months and it will be a different group they'll be so comfortable um they'll be thundering it out and it will just be because we pushed through this awkwardness and yeah. learning curve and doing a new thing and and not being um you know not being intimidated away from and, and it takes i mean pastors I know this is a fruitful and fearless po podcast, but if there are any pastors listening, you just, I mean, if you encourage your people and, and talk, coach them through it and tell them, we're going to do something new this morning. <laughs> Maybe start with one song and it's okay if we fail. Yes. It's totally okay if it sounds bad to your ear today, because mm -hmm. have you ever done anything really well the first time you did it? Like mm -hmm. probably not. And you can coach people through it. And then they get out of this mindset of trying to perform, you know, and, and understand that they're actually learning a difficult skill mm -hmm. that will have that compound interest over time yeah. um, if, if they're willing to push through it. Uh, and, and that's been helpful for our people. I think so far they've, they've taken to it now. And um, some people that were probably initially pretty skeptical of like, <laughs> we're parts that's like so stuck up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not stuck no. up. Like, <laughs> Yeah, people on ships doing the transatlantic crossing were singing pretty complex music. I mean, with sea shanties, but they had parts. A lot of them had different parts. People were singing different octaves. It, it was musically complex, some of them. And that was like the blue collar work environment, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not, it doesn't have to be just elite or, you know, not that elite is bad. Elite is beautiful. Glory to God for beautiful choirs and that kind of thing. But one thing I was going to say was I remember it was like four years ago that I was we were all with Andy and I was like Jared sings so loud on Sunday mornings he's such a distraction and I was complaining <laughs> because Jared sings very loud on Sunday mornings yes. and Andy was like no no like we. I want Jared to sing loud because he's the pastor and that encourages everyone. Mm -hmm. This is the norm for our churches that we sing really loud. And That's cool. it is so crazy because the men in our church sing really loud now. Like it's very common that you will hear the men singing really loud. And even <laughs> when we've had visitors, they're like, man, you guys sing really loud. And uh, <laughs> anyways, I just wanted to say that as an encouragement to like pastors and their families to just sing loud and not yeah. feel weird yeah. about that because you kind of set the tone a little bit of like what, yeah. what the singing is supposed to be like. I will say that people try to avoid sitting in front of us. <laughs> Just Ryan and Tara. <laughs> yeah. Cause I hear about it. I hear about it. It's, if it's my really good friends, cause my, one of my, like my best friend is at our church and will sit in front of us sometimes. So I hear about it, you know, don't rag on me about it. Like, dude, you gotta pipe down. Yeah. You're like, no. You yeah. no, 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 you need to you pipe it up. You sing louder then. Right. That's right. If you don't want to hear me, then drown me out. Yeah, there you go. That's On right. you guys. That's right. Absolutely. Hey, Jared. Yes. Do you have a contus, Christy? Um, I don't, but oh. I do want one. I don't have one. Okay. And I know that the new version or the, there was one that came out last year. I don't have that. Yeah. 
So, you just bought a hundred of them. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's I'm excited. Anyway. Wow. I'd that's... encourage you to try and get your hands on the red one if you can, because okay. Doug Wilson has an apologetic for psalm singing in the front that he wrote. And it is, I mean, I think that essay alone is worth the cost of the book. <laughs> Isn't okay. that in a green one too? I don't know. I don't have it at home. Okay. Sold. I think, I'll I think get it. it is. I'll put it on my list. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll get it today. Cool. And and the thing is, it's only like 20 bucks. And we've started to give one to every new member. Oh, that's cool. Because we had a we had a family move here from a CREC and they were like, hey, you know, what they when showed up as a new member, they would say, it is in there, the manifesto on Psalms. You can't awesome. show you this. Um, he said they would say, what we're doing in singing is warfare. We're waging war, just like the Israelites around Jericho with their trumpets. And like Psalm 149, praise the Lord with a song in your mouth, two-edged sword in your hand. And um, he said, so you're going to need a sword. And here's, here's the word of God is a sword, but the word sung as well. And so they'd hand them a, a contus. And it basically just set the tone that every member in our church is, this is just a normal expectation. You're going to sing songs from a hit. I, I hope that in three months at at refuge we tear the tvs off the wall and just see people <laughs> holding their contours and belting it out um but they, they people i think are intimidated they think they have to like be elite or have all these skills and and they don't realize how quickly they could learn the basic skills to be able to sing along from a hymnal you know give it a yeah. month of dedicated effort you could yeah. do it and, and I think the fact that more more people contributing to the noise in the room, the singing in the room, it does, you know, it takes away the bad singers. I mean, you, you really do get drowned yeah. out and you can mm -hmm. belt it out and then you're contributing to something that does sound beautiful. And so yeah. you know that your yeah. part personally, because you see, you know, you hear yourself driving down the road <laughs> and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's really for that's every, every, somewhere out in on Jordan's phone or one of her old phones. We, for fun one day, said, we're going to sing. I think sing. it was just on a road trip yeah, where yeah. we're like eight hours in. We're yeah, like, you no, guys let's, do let's like this. We, we sing Amazing together. Love. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we, we just sang Amazing Love, How Can It Be That You, My King, Would Die For Me. And, and just for kicks and giggles, just the best we possibly could. Oh, and man. And then we listened. We're like, we're, like, we're so bad. Oh, gosh. It was so, so bad. bad. And, uh, <laughs> but when you're contributing to the roar of congregational yeah. singing, yeah. You, re you realize, oh, man this sounds awesome. And I yeah. can be yeah. part of something that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's cool. And when you do think of it as warfare, like this is making yep. a difference in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. Cool. It's very cool. What's funny about group singing. And I learned this recording, uh, the sea shanty. I was looking at like, how do you make gang vocals sound good? Which vocals of a lot of different voices at the same time. Cause it's, it was like, I couldn't make it work. And they were like, well, here's what you need to do takes that are not on key. You have to do some takes that are pitchy and, and off. So I started singing like way back from the mic in a Scottish accent off key. And all of a sudden I'm like, this sounds right. And that's true of a church. You it's perfect. Perfection. Isn't what you want in a, mm -hmm. even a choir there. The, the vibratos are not going at the same rate there's text differences that it sounds better like it sounds crazy but a congregation will sound 
way better if everyone is singing, including the 20%, the 20 worst singers in the room, than if you had the 20 worst singers be quiet and everybody else sing, it would sound worse. You need that human. It's just, it's, I don't know why, but it's just true. You, you need that enthusiastic texture and differentness and it gives just a, a texture is the best word that I can come up with for cool. gang vocals. So That'll that, cool. you know, tw low 20% singers in the room, we need you. Yeah. This <laughs> is a cool. war cry, not an opera. Yeah. That's, right. Yes. <laughs> That's right. I wish you guys could come over for dinner. I yeah. know. I so bad. My toe <laughs> wishes we could. <laughs> I know. It. And the only way to get there really is flying and i refuse to fly ever again if they make me put a mask on so that's yeah. i think well, we could look it up one time how many hours it's like 21 i think to drive it i was gonna say i i looked at prices for my birthday i was like i'm going to see jordan i just got a bug up my butt one day i was like mm -hmm. i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it for my 30th birthday mm -hmm. but I, it's just so like i don't Very everything feels so volatile right now i know it just feels volatile still so we were talking about, okay, so maybe we could drive to see them and go to Grace Agenda all at the same time. And then we were like, okay, the drive to them would be like 21. So it'd be about 30 hours, right? Oh my to get gosh. to Grace Agenda. So be wow, it. quite a bit. It'd be totally worth it. It's 11 from us to Moscow. Okay, so, so it'd be a little over 30 then, probably. I still, I'll never forget the superhuman feat of Brian Sauvé when Seriously? I fly in and he picks me up and gets about 30 minutes of sleep. Didn't sleep all night long and then drives all the way to Moscow, Idaho from zero sleep, like 10 or 11 hours. And I tell you what, man, I'm, I'm very impressed. And you guys had the same jacket on, right? Yeah, we did. We had the same jacket. And they were matching yeah, twins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I can only get the beard. I've got, I, I've got this right here. I, I just, I can't do what you do. And yeah. I, what, no matter how much coffee I drink, no matter <laughs> I shoot a bear and you'd think I'd shoot a bear. And a beard, a beard would, would grow. And you shot a bear. Tried, you don't need a Brian beard. You don't need a beard. Yeah, he's tried Brian, it. Brian, he has tried? Okay. Yeah, he's tried it. I think those long, flowy, like, have, like one hair here. That, you know, like, <laughs> like a homeless 18-year-old. Don't do know? it. Don't do it. You <laughs> shot a bear. You don't need to grow a beard. You have nothing to prove. That's right. That's right. Just uh, next. You know what? If you want to, if you want to up it next time, get a bear with a knife, knife hunt a bear. There we go. I thought about that. Jump out of a tree with a spear and take it down right from the neck, top of the neck. Well, the, the fruitful and fearless, the, the fruitful, yeah. there we go. The fruitful and fearless <laughs> listeners are just going to love the last part of this show. They are. Yeah, they are. Really the love knife hunt stabbing bears. This is super bears. edifying to all the women. Thanks guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, <laughs> I love it. I love I having you guys on. I know. All right. Well, we will have to do another one about post-millennialism sometimes. Yep. Okay. Well, cool. Thanks for coming on guys. That was fun. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Brian, what's the name of your new album? Oh yeah. That might be helpful. Oh yeah. Uh, sing Psalms, let joy resound. Okay, cool. Yep. Sing Ooh. Psalms, let joy resound. I have a great idea. My name on Spotify. What's that? Next year you should do a Christmas album. Just saying. Handles I'm Messiah. I'm trying to do one. <laughs> yes Messiah. i'm gonna really try to get three christmas songs out oh good in december i don't know if i'll be able to do it but i have the ones i, I want to do and we'll see cool. if i can if i can swing it 
with if yeah. I can finish this album in the next 10 days, then I actually think I'll have time to get three really simple Sufjan Stevens type, you know. Right. Um, so you only need 30 minutes of sleep a night, we've discovered. So you're so fine. Get after it, man. Let's go. Lexi's all the time laugh. in the world. Don't, don't be lazy. Lexi knows how little that is true and how terrible I do if I don't sleep for like a solid eight hours. I'm laughing right now. All right, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Yeah.